Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down what recession means, why it's happening and why it's being talked about in the media at the moment. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome to another episode of Australia Explained. And we'd like to start this episode by acknowledging that we're recording these pod- this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations and pay our respects to their elders past and present. And to reiterate, in case you missed it, acknowledging this isn't enough. It's important to pay the rent on those stolen lands. And there'll be links in the show notes on how you can do this. Absolutely. Now, before we get into this week's content, we actually have an update on our news media ownership episode, don't we, Vanessa? Yes, we do. Great timing. Um, so in our episode, <laughs> in our episode that you check out after you've done listening to this one, if you haven't already, we noted that Kevin Rudd and Rupert Murdoch are in a bit of a fight at the moment. So Rudd is wanting to limit Murdoch's power. And on Saturday afternoon, Rudd actually announced that he was starting a petition to demand an, equ- an inquiry into media ownership in Australia. And since then, this petition's actually crashed because so many people signed it that the government thought that it was a cyber security mm. scam. But yeah. um, it's back up and running now. Yeah, um, very good timing for us considering we just covered this. So true to Australia Explain branding, we're covering exactly what's happening at the moment. Um, We'll leave a link in our show notes if you want to watch Rudd's video and sign the petition if that's something you're interested in. But anyway, today we are looking at recession in Australia and since we are currently in the middle of one, (laughs) we thought it'd be a good idea to look more closely at what recession means and how it may affect us in future. I will have to admit though, as much as I love my Bachelor of Arts degree and I will fearlessly defend my arts degree against critics. This is not my area of expertise, (laughs) fair fair to say. Um, So we've enlisted the help of one of my good friends, Mr. Daniel Ortizzi. So thanks for joining us today. Um, Daniel is a commerce graduate from Monash University and the founder of the blog, The Financial Curator. So tell us, Daniel, what is The Financial Curator and why did you decide to start it? Uh, firstly, thanks for having me on, Vanessa and Tanya. You guys have done a really great job so far, so congratulations oh, on thank that. thank you. And thank you for the kind introduction. <laughs> so, yes, I started the Financial Curator about midway through this year because I'd finished my graduation degree and basically had a lot of free time until I started my graduation job in February. So I thought, what could be a great way to kind of spend my time while in lockdown And that was to write about something I was passionate about and something I thought that was necessary, which is talk about a little bit about financial literacy for basically people in the age of 18 to 24. And the really interesting thing is that over the last seven years, the proportion of 18 to 24-year-olds who hold investments outside of their superannuation has doubled from 10 to 20%. Yet despite this, studies have actually shown that financial literacy amongst young Australians is falling. So I thought it would be a great time to kind of start this blog and help people learn a little bit more about finance and investing. Yeah, and I think it aligns pretty well with what we do. We're sort of in that 18 to 24 bracket as well and helping people boost their media literacy and how they consume news. So there's definitely a similarity there. Yeah, you do financial literacy and we do media literacy. So we're like two peas in a pod or three peas in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Three peas on a pod. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, I think 
that's what we really liked about the financial curator and why we got you on today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the kind words. And yeah, really excited to talk about some stuff and talk about a little bit about recession. All right. So, Daniel, you ready to go? Let's get started. Okay, before we get into what's happening at the moment, we do need to get our head around some basic terms about the economy. The most important one here being gross domestic product or GDP, Vanessa. Yeah, so GDP is basically a measure of all the economic productivity within a country. So all the goods and services that are produced in a country, everything that is spent in Australia from your $7 panini to the millions of dollars a day deals sending coal overseas makes up GDP. And obviously, GDP growth is a good thing because as a measure of productivity, increased GDP means that people are earning more and spending more. So increased GDP can improve our chances of obtaining credit, which means things like getting a home loan, a business loan, etc. And it can even grow our population. Um, People are more likely to pop out a few little ones if they're not worrying about money. On the other hand, when GDP declines, this can create a lot of problems. So there are less jobs and less goods being produced and sold. So less people buying those $7 paninis, the panini shop has to let somebody go, that somebody, that somebody cancels his gym membership to save money, so the gym loses money, and you can start to see the chain reaction that goes on and on. So now that we have a good understanding of GDP, Daniel, what on earth is recession? Yeah, so a recession is a technical term that is used when GDP is negative for two consecutive quarters and a recession is not as severe as a depression, which is another term you may have heard of. So just to clarify, um, quarters are three months each and the main difference is that a recession is more short-term decline in GDP, whereas depression is over a long period of time, e.g. years and years. Yeah, and if you think about it in theory, economies really should never enter into sustained periods of negative GDP because all the factors that improve our productivity and improve our GDP are generally factors that over time should be increasing. So things like population growth, demand growth, employment growth, and of course many other factors that are all long-term positive trends over time. Yeah, right, because all those things like increased population and employment ideally mean that more goods and services would be produced. Yeah, however, what causes a collapse in economies and causes uh, recessions and depressions is the use of leverage in our economy and something called the short-term and the long-term debt cycle. Leverage is a really important term here that some of our listeners might not be aware of. Do you mind defining that? Yeah, so leverage actually might be a term that if you do like physics or something, you might be aware of. And in terms of like economics and in finance, leverage is simply the use of debt in an economy. And we use leverage to help our productivity growth because without the use of debt in in an economy's productivity be limited. Leverage allows people to buy homes, start businesses, buy cars and so on. However, when we become over leveraged, the excess debt becomes too burdensome and then we have collapses in markets and economies. Do you mind giving us an example of what leverage might look like, Daniel? Yeah, sure. So just say that you yourself, Tanya, you've got your first job, you're earning money, and now you're ready to perhaps buy a home or perhaps buy a new car. For you to buy a home or car, it's going to require you a large initial sum of investment in order to pay for it. So what you can do is use leverage in order to purchase different assets 
and that way the economy is actually stimulated rather than you having to wait to earn that money. So obviously leverage when you think about it is extremely important for our productivity growth in our GDP. Yeah, so going on from that example, leverage in that case would be a home loan. Get it, so putting myself into debt by getting a home loan so that I can buy the house. Yes, exactly. Right. So using debt is not a rare occurrence and can be a really powerful tool to like grow businesses or personal wealth, but it needs to be used wisely to avoid recession. What is the history of recession in Australia? Is it common? Is it not common? What's the deal with that? Well, in terms of our history, Australia's last recession, it actually wasn't in 2008 when pretty much all other major economies went into recession. Our last recession was actually in 1991, where our GDP slipped about 1% in the first quarter, which is obviously a grand number in the scheme of things, and then about half a percent in the second quarter. Yeah, the, the numbers may be small, but when GDP is calculated in terms of trillions of dollars, that 1% could literally mean millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. And during this time, unemployment rose from about to about 10.8%, which of course is really high and a number that we've seen actually in the news recently. And for context, the RBA, which is the Reserve Bank of Australia, targets an unemployment rate of about 4.5%. So of course, you know, 10.8% being more than double that, it really is not great. The recession actually hit Victoria the hardest as employment in Victoria fell over 8%, while employment in the rest of the country fell about 2.1%. And the governor of the Reserve Bank at the time, Ian McFarlane, said that pretty much the financial excess during the 1980s was of such a scale that the recession in the 1990s was almost inevitable. Increasing interest rates were the demise of many businesses who were just far too over-leveraged and basically couldn't afford this higher cost of debt. You mentioned financial excess during the 80s and 90s. Like, What exactly does this mean and what was happening during this period? So Australia and many other, many other economies in the 80s went through pretty much a huge like boom period, economic boom period, and that's actually quite normal. Because of the use of leverage, our economy doesn't necessarily go up in a straight line. It's much more of a curved up and down shape. So you go through these boom and bust periods. So the 1980s would have looked something like really high on a graph, really booming period where there were more jobs, less unemployment, more money in the system, more credit going around. And then eventually what that leads to is an overstretched economy. And then obviously in the 1990s, that bubble, so to speak, burst. So it it was inevitable in a way. And I think if anyone, any of our listeners might recall, Treasurer Paul Keating at the time used a phrase that it was the recession we had to have. So it was basically coming. Yeah. And just to add on to that, the the main reason why is because the RBA controls something called our cash rate, which basically determines the interest rate the banks can charge. And our cash rate back then went up to something like 18%, which is, if you look at it now, which is 0.2%, it's absolutely crazy to think of. And that type of payment on debt is very difficult to maintain, especially for small businesses and small credit lending facilities, which were um, huge collapses in Victoria. In particular, the Pyramid Building Society, which is a financial institution that's owned by its members. So people who have deposits in that institution actually own that institution, unlike a bank. And that collapsed with over about $2 billion of debt. Also, the State Bank of Victoria and also South Australia collapsed as well and other mortgage businesses. 
the state banks had to be bailed out to the tune of almost a billion dollars in taxpayer money. And that, in essence, was one of the main reasons why Victoria struggled so much during that period. Imagine a world where you had to pay an 18% interest rate on a home loan. It's crazy to think about now. That's inconceivable. I cannot imagine that. Um, You mentioned that Australia was one of the only countries that wasn't really hit by the global financial crisis in 2007 to 8. Yeah. Um, It obviously did have a massive impact on the world's economies, but why was Australia not as heavily affected? Well, if you notice, Australia is predominantly in our imports and exports a mining country. So we export a lot of coal, iron ore, and other essential minerals and, and metals that are used in infrastructure. Basically, in the 2008 crash, what happened was our biggest export partner, China, conducted a major, major infrastructure expansion and basically bought so much you know, iron and coal and everything from Australia that that basically kept our economy afloat. So we weren't as heavily dependent on the US where the crash basically started. We had our, our strong relationship with China meant that, that we were somewhat safe in this regard. Yeah, somewhat safe, but it's also important to understand that our economies around the world, it's, it's, it's like a big spider web. It's all interconnected. So the US still had a huge, huge impact on Australia because our banks are actually like intermediary. So the banks lend to each other, they buy from each other. So Australian banks um, actually still suffered from that because it's, it had a ripple effect over into Australia. But we were just able to make that up with our huge weighting in mining. So when the iron ore price goes above basically $100, then our economy usually is doing really, really well. It's just this time, uh, we're, we're in a once-in-a-lifetime event and basically nothing can save us from, from losing GDP. So recently, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg announced that Australia has officially entered a recession. What's been happening? Yeah, well, of course, the economic disruption caused by COVID has been widely discussed and we have entered into another recession. If you look at the numbers, we fell 7% last quarter in GDP and that was expected because the financial system was basically halted. No one was spending money, jobs closed down, people were not earning money. The most heavily impacted industries were, as you would expect, retail, hospitality and travel. Sydney Airport released data to the market saying that airport traffic movements were down something crazy like 95 or 96% for the month compared to last year. And this was the same for many other retail and cafes and so on. Yeah, and we can't also forget that this was exacerbated by the bushfire crisis earlier on uh, this year and at the end of last year. You would have heard a lot of conversation at that time about visiting the affected towns to boost tourism again and supporting small businesses, buying locally, et cetera, to get the economy to get the economy going again. So COVID really came off the back of that crisis as well. There's definitely been a fair share of stimulus packages in Australia following COVID, however. Um, that's included job seeker, job keeper, and schemes to support small businesses too. And this has cost the country upwards of eighty six billion, with that number continuing to grow. Yeah, and the federal budget that was released last week has also included lots of packages and spending to support job creation and get money back into the economy. So there's lots of tax cuts, investment in infrastructure, and also wage subsidies for tradies and apprentices. We won't go into too much detail here because we did release a bonus episode on the 
nitty gritty details of the budget last week. You can check that out later. But the major talking point was that Australia is set to be almost $1 trillion in debt by 2024, which, which is huge. Um, to put it in perspective, debt levels in the middle of 2013 were around $160 billion, So that's almost six times less than what is projected for 2024. But I did want to quickly add that compared to the recession in 1991, our GDP is expected to fall a lot further, but unemployment doesn't seem to be reaching the exact same rate. Um, so what are your thoughts on the budget deficit and all of this that's happening, Daniel? Like, How will this impact us? Because $1 trillion seems like a really scary number. Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to add that the reason why the unemployment rate hasn't actually fell as high is because we have JobKeeper and JobSeeker, which is counting to our employment at the moment. So obviously, back in the 1990s, we didn't have that implementation by the government. So that's actually a really good thing that they've done that. And it's trying to keep our economy afloat and and keep uh, money flowing through families and, and working Australians. In terms of the budget deficit, it's also important to understand that countries or governments, when they issue this debt, it's also at a cost. So if you've heard of something called a treasury bill, that's basically debt that the government issues and that has, you know, a yield, which in their eyes is a cost. Right now, the treasury bond yields for 10 years is is less than 1%. It's about 0.6%. So it's a lot easier for a country to manage that debt. And of course, they have to pay that 1 trillion back, but the interest they pay on that is a lot lower than what they might have paid in previous years. So that's also important for, I think, listeners to understand. But in terms of kind of unwinding that debt and paying off a trillion dollars over the years, for any government, it's basically never implied that they're going to be debt-free. I mean, we use leverage in our system to help grow our countries. So this is going to be like a multi-decade event of just constantly you know, unwinding that debt over time. Yeah, so we shouldn't be too scared about it. I guess it's just a part of the process in that being in debt will help us get out of debt eventually. So what can Australians expect in recession? What's the general advice? Well, you know, in terms of advice, I mean, it'd be really difficult to to give advice to someone who, you know, unfortunately has lost a job or has lost some form of income. But basically everything comes down at the end of the day to something called cash flow management. And people with loans who, or people with you know liabilities who have to pay back money, everything at the end of the day comes back to cash flow management. So what the government has done with their stimulus, the reason why it's, it's actually been pretty successful so far is because it's really buffered that cash flow management and is enabling like end-to-end users and, and debt payers to get paid. What I expect to see and what the country and basically a lot of like large financial institutions forecasted is that we may have actually pretty detrimental um, effects to our real estate market because of this huge, uh, huge mortgage pushback. So basically Australian mortgages are getting pushed back. So the interest that they were supposed to pay, which has been deferred, gets capitalized onto their loan which of course makes a bigger loan. So that might be a further problem in the future. And also that rent pays at the moment, there's been a rent deferment for about six months that was issued by the government. So when rent pays can't get paid, that's obviously creating an even worse uh, um, situation because they can't pay back their mortgages. So I'd be very weary about property in Australia over the next few years. And of course, uh, our economy as a whole 
probably won't recover properly for a while, I'd say. Yeah, so definitely real estate is one of those areas to watch out. And now it's time for our recommendations. Daniel, what have you got for us today? So there's a fantastic video on YouTube. It's called How the Economic Machine Works, and it's by Ray Dalio. It's a really popular video. It's about 30 minutes long, and it's actually a fantastic, engaging video. Yeah, it- I, I did watch it. It's it's really good. It is it is a bit of a longer watch, but the way he presents it is so engaging that you're hooked anyway. Yeah, I, I found that as well, and I have obviously a little bit of a background from my university studies, but... I do believe that, you know, anyone can watch this video. He explains it very concise, very simply. I'll definitely have to watch that one. Um, My recommendation is from the She's on the Money podcast. It's an episode about the current recession and it's a little bit more personal. It covers how you can safeguard your financial situation, et cetera, during a time like this. And it's for anybody that's feeling a bit uncertain about how this affects them going forward. Yeah, so maybe some tips and I guess advice on how to manage your own wealth. Mine is an article by Peter Martin from ANU, but I picked this one mainly because it contains six graphs that really summarize the effects of what has happened this year. So in these graphs, you'll see that household spending has obviously decreased, um, but at the same time, stimulus packages such as JobKeeper and JobSeeker have caused more people to save money. So it presents the issue of, well, if people are more reluctant and in a way scarred to spend their money, how do we get the economy going again? It's really, I guess, shocking to look at all these graphs and see where we've been affected. As per usual, we'll include the links to these resources in our show notes. Alrighty, and that's it from us today. We hope you enjoyed listening and thanks, Daniel, for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you here as our first guest speaker and helping us break down this tricky concept. So thank you. Thanks, guys. It's been really good being here and hopefully I added some kind of value to the podcast today. You definitely did. (laughs) I couldn't have added any of that. we're, we're, We're happy to have you. In the meantime, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at TikTok at Australia Explained Pod and also go follow Daniel at The Financial Curator. All the info will be in the show notes for you to check out. Yeah, and you can check me out obviously on Instagram at The Financial Curator. And also my website, thefinancialcurator.com. It's a blog and it has a lot of series and, and, and simple blogs for you to help understand. I have one series called The Basics of Investing and also something important that gets a bit overlooked, how to look and read at annual reports. So subscribe and follow and hopefully if you're interested, it'll help you out. And make sure to leave us a review and rating as well because it will help us out tremendously. But anyway, we will see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.